Turn with me tonight to Ephesians chapter 2. All week I thought I knew what I'd preach tonight. Began trying to decipher the message God had me preach, and as I studied on another subject, never could get where I needed to be, never could get, get what I needed to get out of it. About ten minutes after five this evening, God said for me to preach out of Ephesians chapter two. Very familiar thought that I, I've used it quite regularly, and I don't like preaching things regularly. People accuse you of giving reruns, amen. Amen, they do. Amen. We sing Amazing Grace over and over. It's still good. Amen. So I'm going to preach this thought tonight. Most of you in here had not heard me preach this. Some of you may have heard me preach some of these thoughts. But amen, I just want to do what the Lord have us to do. Try to go the way God have us to go. That's the only thing I know to do. I realize tonight that as I stand before you, amen, I'm just the same as you are. And I realize that without the help of the Lord, every word that I would speak behind this pulpit without the help of the Lord is in vain. Amen. If I stand here and I preach what I want to preach, I, I, there's 66 books in this Bible. I no doubt there's many places we could go tonight and we could deliver to you some kind of some kind of message. Amen. But if the anointing and the touch of God is not on it, then it'll be of naught, and it'll waste your time and waste mine too. Amen. So we're gonna try our very best tonight. You pray for us to mind the Lord. Amen. Ephesians chapter two. I'm gonna read the first verse in Ephesians chapter three, and then we're gonna try to tie this together. And the little thought that the Lord has given us tonight. In Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 1, Paul says, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles. And as I began to look at Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 1, and Paul said, For this cause I. And he began to go down and he began to tell them about the grace of God and began to tell them about, uh, about uh, Gentiles being, being uh, uh, grafted into that, white, that, that, uh, that tree and began to tell them about how he became a minister of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, for this cause. And I began to think, what in the world motivated Paul to become what he was? Amen. How in the world did Paul get from where he was to where he, to, from where he started out to where he was? Amen. How did he start out as that Hebrew of Hebrews? How did he start out as that one that was persecuting the church? And he ended up being one of the greatest preachers to ever wear. Amen. Them sandals that he probably wore. How did he ever end up being one of the greatest preachers that ever, that ever wrote anything down pen the biggest part of the New Testament? Amen. How did he ever get to that place? And he says, for this cause I. As I began to think about that, my mind began to go back to Ephesians chapter 2. And the Bible says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin, wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom we all in, had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. For by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up to sit together, and made us sit together in heavenly places, that in the ages to come you might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained, 
that we should walk therein. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you this evening, God, for allowing us to be here. We thank you this evening, God, for the sweet spirit, God, that you've allowed us to feel already in this building. We thank you, God, for the Word of God. We thank you for the truths and the promises that we find within it. God, we're thankful this evening, God, that this book, God, that lies before us. God, we're thankful, God, that it's a book, God, that's not dead. It's more than just paper and words. It's more than just sin and structure and verses. I'm thankful this evening that this book is very much alive. And I'm glad, Lord, we can go back to the same old great truths and promises, Lord, that we've read ever since we got saved. And I'm glad, Lord, they can speak new truths under our heart. And God, I'm glad they can feed us afresh tonight. Father, I pray tonight, God, you'd be with us. I pray tonight, God, you'd overshadow us, God, with your spirit. I realize tonight, God, without you, I'm nothing. And I realize, God, tonight, standing before me, God, in this congregation, I realize, God, no doubt there are needs. Lord, I know I realize tonight, God, there's probably folks in this building, Lord, that are struggling with things. I realize tonight, God, there's probably somebody in this building that's not saved. And God, I pray tonight, God, you just help me to get out of the way. Lord, I don't want to be in the way of anybody getting saved. I don't want to be in the way of anybody getting the help they need tonight. So God, I pray tonight you just push me out of the way. And God, I pray you just use me, God, as just a little simple vessel and a mouthpiece for you tonight. Father, we thank you and we love you and we give you the honor and the praise and the glory. God, for all that you do, thank you for the soul you saved this morning. Thank you for the work that you're doing. And God, we love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And it's very familiar scripture in Ephesians chapter 2. As Paul said, for this cause I, I begin to think about how he got to where he was. And he begins to tell in Ephesians chapter 2, he said, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. And every time I read that verse, every time I see that, and I begin to read on into verse 2, and where he said, Wherein in times past ye walked according to the course of this world. Amen. That word you and that word ye. I see somebody standing looking at me, pointing the finger back in my face. I see the Holy Ghost standing before me, saying, You were dead in trespasses and sin. You were the one that walked according to the course of this world and the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. And he goes on to say among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Tonight as we stand here and as I look over this congregation tonight, I see people that that either are sinners or were sinners. Amen. As I look into your faces tonight, I realize that you're no different than I am and I'm no different than you are. And as I look at this congregation tonight and I begin to look into the broad spectrum of this world and look into this county and look into this community and I look into the face of those people. When I first got saved by the grace of God, I'd look at them people and I'd want to back off from them. I'd say, man, they're awful vile. They're awful wicked. But my friend, when I look at them tonight, I see people that are just in the shape of these first three verses in Ephesians chapter 2. And I began to roll my mind back to the fact that there was a time, there was a day, there was an hour in my life when I was absolutely no different than they was. When I was dead in trespasses and sin. When I walked according to the course of this world. When I had my conversation with the lust of the flesh and the lust of the mind. And by nature was a children of wrath. You see it is birthed into our nature. My friend a child is shaping in iniquity. Conceived in sin. Born in sin. From their very mother's womb. That child has a nature about it. That is a sin nature. There's never been a child born that has had a godly nature about it except the Lord Jesus. 
Jesus Christ. That's the only baby that's ever been born with the God nature about it. We have been born made in the likeness of His very image. And my friend, we were made like Him. But friend, we still got that Adamantic nature about us. Our great-great-grandpa Adam, he sinned in the Garden of Eden. And that nature was passed down unto all men. Wherefore, as by one man sinned, and death came by that. Friend, that was passed down to you. It was passed down to me. When my babies were born, it was passed down to them. There's a sin nature about us. And friend, we can't do nothing about the fact that we have that sin nature. We cannot change the fact. We cannot enter back into our mother's womb and change the fact that we are born in sin and shaping in iniquity. We cannot change that fact. But Paul goes on down. He tells us in the first three verses just how sorry we are, if you will. There's no need in me tonight continuing to preach on how sorry we as humans are. Because you very well tonight know the very thoughts of your mind. You know the intents of your heart. You know, my friend, what you're thinking right now. There's probably somebody in here. You're running rabbits. You're at the ball game. You're somewhere here yondering about. Praise God, our mind is wicked. Our flesh is wicked. My friend and Paul tells us just how wicked that we are and how sorry that we are. But then he goes on down into verse 4. And this is what I like. I love this verse of Scripture. And he says, but God. Hey, did anybody get that tonight? He said, but God. I'm glad tonight when I was a sinner. But God came to where I was. Sought me out of the muck and the mire of this world. And saved me by His marvelous grace. I began to roll my mind back into the Garden of Eden. I began to see Adam and Eve there as they sinned. And they clothed themselves in that fig leaf. And they began, my friend, to hide themselves from the Lord. And He came in the cool of the day. And He said, Adam, where art thou? And Adam said, I've hid myself from you. And my friend, in that day, in that moment, it seemed like for Adam and Eve there was no hope. It seemed like in that day they would surely die. But God, He had another plan. He had another way. He had it looking on down the road. He seen what we do not see. He was looking down the road toward Calvary. While Adam and Eve was worried about what they'd done and the shame they were living in, God had another plan. I'm glad in the midst of our sin. But God, and I began to think about over there in the days of Noah, it seemed as though God, He looked upon the face of the earth and He even repented that He had made man. And He was going to judge the earth. And He was going to kill everyone that was on it. But there was a man by the name of Noah and he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. I'm glad in the midst of a wicked generation. But God, He sees something that we do not see. And He sees a way when we do not see a way. On down through the ages of time there, you come up to the children of Israel and you find them in Pharaoh's bondage for 430 years. That crowd of people was under hard labor and hard bondage. And every year it would get a little worse and a little worse and a little worse. And it seemed like there was no ray of hope. But God sought out a man named Moses. God put him on the backside of the desert. God gave him a shepherd's heart. God prepared him for the work. I'm glad when it feels like we're in bondage. It feels like Satan's got us bound up. I'm glad this evening, but God. I'm glad God has a different plan. And I'm glad God sees what we do not see. I began to roll my mind into the New Testament. Into John chapter 3. Nicodemus came on the scene. And Nicodemus was a ruler of the Jews. He could not understand the new birth. But you find a few chapters later over 
the book of John, you will find that Nicodemus was present when they took our Lord and Savior off of that cross. It was him and Joseph of Arimathea that took Jesus to the borrowed tomb and wrapped up his body and placed him therein. Nicodemus was religious. He had zeal. He had everything he needed. But God had a different plan for his life. God had a different plan than the law. God had a different plan than religion. God had a new birth in mind. I'm glad when we think that we've got it all all right and we think our life is just the way it ought to be. I'm glad that God butts in and God makes a difference in our life. There have been times that I thought that I had my life right on track and I thought I was going the best way that I could go. But God had a different plan. About four years ago, I thought everything was okay. I thought I was doing good. But God had a different plan for me. I'm glad just a few months ago, my friend, I thought I was doing just fine. Hey, I was just as tickled to death at Wilmot. Praise be unto God. But God had a different plan. I'm glad God sometimes He gets in our life and He changes up our plans and He changes our want tos and He does it for His glory. I'm glad tonight that the God of heaven, He butts into our life and He gives us an opportunity to go further and to go higher with Him. I begin to think about John chapter 4. That little woman over there at the well. Bible says that Jesus was waiting on her. She came to that well that day. She came there with sin in her life. She came there sin stricken. But God, he looked past her sin. He knew that he had the forgiveness that she needed. She came there with a big old water pot. I can just see her carrying that thing. I don't know if she carried it in her arms or how she carried it. I imagine it was pretty good size. If you just went once a day to get water, you'd want to get enough to do you, wouldn't you? I believe she had a big old water pot and she came up there to that well. Honey, when she left that well, she had met the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. She had met the well. She had met the fountain of life. She had met the one that was able to cure her thirst. And when she left there that day, she wasn't worried about the big water pot because there was a well of water springing up on the inside of her. She came to that well that day a sinner. But God stepped into her midst and saved her and changed her direction and changed her life. Oh, there's a little man by the name of Matthew over there. Tax collector. Oh, he's padding his pocket good. Everything was going good. He had the biggest house over there in Jerusalem. Amen. He had stolen enough money from all them people. Praise God. Everything was going good. But God came to where he was. Changed his direction. Made him into somebody that didn't have nothing to hold on this side of eternity. Him disciples, my friend, all they had was what they had on. Praise God. I'm glad that you can be happy with nothing when you got everything in your heart. You can be happy with nothing in your wallet. The worst car that you've ever seen. You can be happy with an empty bank account. When you've got Jesus, He makes it all worth it all. I'm glad this evening if you're here tonight and you don't have peace in your life, Jesus can give you peace. Jesus can give you satisfaction in your life. We see a world that's full of entertainment. People seeking every day trying to satisfy their desires and satisfy this flesh. Oh, I'm glad this evening that God can give you the satisfaction you need. That's the only thing that can fill the void in your heart and the void in your life. I see Andrew and Peter and James over there in the New Testament, Luke chapter 2, I believe it is. I see them over there fishing. 
I see them out there with their daddy Zebedee. I, I see them out there. They was just as happy as the Lord. I, hey, man, they, they hadn't caught many fish. I, but that was okay. They was going back the next day. I, but God. God had a different plan for them. You was on a dead end road. Your life was on a dead end road. There wasn't no hope. I mean, you put on a smile and you made everybody think you was happy. Praise be unto God. You knew how to fool everybody, but you knew on the inside of you you were so miserable. Oh, ain't you glad this seen in church that when you were miserable, when you were without peace, when you were without happiness, when you were without hope, aren't you glad this seen but God? Old Barabbas stood over there that day. I don't know how long you've been in prison. Bible don't really say. He'd been in prison, no doubt. He may have been able to look out the jail cell. This is just my thoughts. Hey, man, but I, I, I can just imagine him over there that day. I can imagine him. Maybe he'd been in jail a few days and he looked out those prison walls. Uh, maybe they had a little window and he was able to look out uh, and he seen them hewing out those crosses. Uh, he seen them, my friend, scraping the bark off and getting that thing ready. Uh, he seen them getting it ready for the nails. Uh, he seen them getting it ready to be able to place it together. Uh, and he knew that one of them crosses would be his. Uh, he knew that he was about to die in a few days. Uh, he knew that when that carpenter got done with that cross, uh, he knew, my friend, that he would be nailed to it. Uh, he knew that he would suffer an awful death. He knew that it was going to be a bad day in Jerusalem for him. He knew that things didn't look good. But then there was a man named Jesus that come into that jail cell, came into that prison, and they delivered him and Barabbas up before Pilate. And they stood there that day. And I can just see Barabbas look over there to Jesus. And he knew this man had done nothing amiss. Pilate even admitted to it and said, I find no fault in this man. Pilate even washed his very hands. Amen. Symbolizing he was cleansing himself of oh, the blood of that just man, the Bible says. Oh, and Barabbas looked over there and he said, I know they're going to crucify me. But God had a different plan for Barabbas' life. God was going to set him free. Jesus was about to die in his place. Jesus was about to become Barabbas. And Jesus was about to be who he was and take his sin and his pain and his agony. Aren't you glad when you were like Barabbas? You were the one that deserved deserved hell. You were the one that deserved the cross. You were the one that deserved the torment. Aren't you glad God butted in and God put Jesus in your stead as Abraham was up on Mount Moriah and Isaac stood there that day and he placed him on that altar and my friend Abraham began to draw back the knife. But God had a different plan for that life. God had a different plan for Isaac. I'm glad he looked over there in the thicket and he saw a ram caught up and he saw Oh, my friend, a substitute for his life. I'm glad Jesus became the propitiation for my sin. He became the satisfaction of God. He became, my friend, the substitutionary sacrifice, and it satisfied a holy God. I begin to think about some lives that are in here tonight. I don't want to embarrass my brother-in-law, but when I sat down on the pew, my mind began to roll back to about five or six years ago. How long has it been, Jeff? Six years? Seven years ago. Never would, when I first met my wife, my brother-in-law never would go to church. He's good as anybody in here, always has been. Been a good old boy. Do anything for you to. Him and my daddy-in-law, they took me in just like one of, the, one of their own. Never said a, a cross word to me. 
took me in, loved me, and I love them and still do. Amen. But wasn't saved by the grace of God. His is good as God. I believe eight years ago before he got saved, I could have went over there and asked him for $1,000. I believe he'd have given it to me. I believe he would have. Amen. That's the kind of failure he was. And I remember he started coming to church. He'd come a Sunday or two. Then I remember one Sunday, I remember him coming down that aisle. Hey, man, he was the one we thought they wasn't no hope for. He's a good old boy, thinks he's all right. We thought there ain't no way God's ever going to be able to get a hold of him. But God came to where he was. God got him out, my friend. God got him in the house of God. And when he got in the house of God, he got under Holy Ghost conviction. And God saved him by the grace of God. I began to look back here and see Steve. We prayed and prayed for Steve. Prayed for God to get a hold of him. I'd heard how mean he was. I'd heard the words he used, jokes he'd tell. I didn't know him all that well, but he started coming to church a little bit. Boy, we started praying. God saved him. I, I, remember, I remember getting up there and preaching. I ain't got no idea what to preach, but I remember getting up there and preaching one Sunday, or it might have been a Sunday night. I remember looking back through that congregation. I remember seeing Steve standing back there, and boy, he was holding on that bench. I mean, God was all over him. Praise God. He could have come out of there right then. He closed out the service. He went on home. I believe it, was on, it might have been on a Sunday night. Easter Sunday. I went to work that Monday morning. There's a, there's a little green truck pulled in my driveway. Come in there just a flying about sideways. He hopped out of the truck. Man, he come through the parking lot just to skip it. Hey, man, I said, I know what's happening. But God. He said, about 5 o'clock this morning, he said, I ain't slept a wink all night. He said, about 5 o'clock this morning, I had to get down beside of my bed and ask the Lord to save me. I say, thank God God's able to butt into our lives. I, and God's able to put, a, put something in between us and, and the depths of a devil's hell. I, you see Romans 6 and 23 says, for the wages of sin is death. I, but the gift of God is eternal life I, through our Lord Jesus Christ. I, that one little word may not mean much to you, I, but that little word but in the word of God means a lot to me. I, you see the word but, I, it ties two sentences together. I, I believe they call that a conjunction. I, hey man, they could have ended the sin it's at the wages of sin is death and every one of us in here could have died and went to hell but I'm glad God saw fit through the cross of Calvary to tie the wages of sin is death into the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord I'm glad that little but in Romans 6 and 23 every time I see that word but I see an old rugged cross I see Jesus suffering for me I see Jesus paying my sin debt and suffering and bleeding and dying I see that lamb that was stricken. I, I see that Passover lamb. I, that became my Passover lamb. I, I see the blood of Jesus shedding off of that cross. I, I see a borrowed tomb I, that is empty to this very day. I, I see the satisfaction of God. In your life, maybe you didn't expect this. You may come tonight, you had no idea that your little heart was going to begin to beat in your chest. You had no idea God was going to speak to you and say you're lost and undone without me. You had no idea God was going to butt into your life. Saul of Tarsus, he had no idea that God was going to do what he'd done with him. He was on the road to Damascus, heading out with the warrants in his hand, heading out to persecute the Christian. He said, I was a Hebrew of Hebrew. He said, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, 
He said, persecuting the Christians. And on that road to Damascus, God butted in. God put a roadblock in his path. God said, it's now or never. It's today. There'll not be tomorrow. Friend Saul of Tarsus got saved that day, became Paul, became one of the greatest men of God that there's ever been. Friend, I wonder tonight in your life, have you come to that roadblock? For the wages of sin is death. But, but, I want you to know tonight I preached on hell this morning. My voice is about gone. Preached on hell this morning. I want you to know the wages of sin is what I was preaching on. But that ain't the end of the story. There's a but. God tied it all together through the cross of Calvary. It's been tied together that you as an unworthy sinner, you who are dead in trespasses and sin, you may be here tonight breathing just like I am, but honey, if you're not saved, you're lost and undone without God. And you're dead in your trespasses and sin. You see, when you get saved by the grace of God, Amen. Your flesh is very much, very much alive. Hey, man, praise be unto God. But when you're when you're lost and undone, your spirit is dead. But when you get saved, the flesh dies and the spirit revives. You may be here tonight spiritually. You're dead, dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in times past walked according to the course of this world. You're still in there. How about it tonight? While everybody stands, while Miss Martha or Colton comes to the piano. I wonder tonight, has God spoke to your heart? Has God butted into your life? Has God put a roadblock in your path? For the wages of sin is death. Friend, I don't know if you realize it or not yet, but you're a sinner. I don't know if you realize it tonight, the best you can do in yourself is sin. That's the best you can do. I mean, I'm not, I'm not meaning to be a downer to you, but that's about it. And I want you to know that even though you're a sinner, Jesus made a way for you. Jesus butted into your life tonight. Put a roadblock in your path. What are you going to do about it? While Miss Martha sings with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask you tonight, would you be willing to step out of your pew? Make Jesus your choice. Would you be willing tonight, friend, to step out of your pew? Would you be willing tonight to admit that you're not saved? Friend, if you're not saved, don't be ashamed of the fact that you're not saved. Don't be ashamed of the fact that you're a sinner. But now if you're here tonight and you're, you've determined you're going to stay where you are, you're not going to come. That'd be something to be ashamed of. There's no shame in being a sinner, but there's a shame in staying a sinner. Jesus knows that we're sinners. That's why he died. That's why he bleeds. That's why he suffered. He came not to seek the righteous, but to seek and to save. That which is lost, that was me. That was you. You see me and some of you that ain't known me all that long, you see a preacher. You see me on Sundays, you see me on Wednesday night. You see me in my tie and my best clothes. 
But God's seen me way back young. God's seen me at my worst. God's seen me when I was in the muck and the mire of this world. God's seen me when I was like old Jeremiah. And I had sunk up in the mire. But I'm glad as they let down cords to Jeremiah and they lifted him up out of that old muck and that old mire. I'm glad Jesus lent down a stretched out hand. Said, come unto me all ye that are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Friend, are you here tonight? You need to do business with God. You need to do business with God. Friend, I'd go ahead and step out of my pew. Just take that one step toward the aisle. You may be toward the middle. You may be on the inside. I want you to know that they'll move. You may not know me and I may not know you, but I want you to know tonight that Jesus knows you. Jesus knows what you need. Friend, would you come tonight? Would you come? God's speaking to your heart. God's dealing with you tonight. Friend, this is a serious time in your life. If you leave this building and you don't accept Christ, this could be the biggest mistake, friend, that you ever made. This could determine your eternal destiny. Friend, this is life and this is death tonight. Not the life of your flesh, but this is eternal life and eternal death. This decision that you will make right now, friend, will determine heaven or hell. It will determine your outlook tomorrow. It will determine the vision you have when you leave this this room. Friend, would you be willing tonight to come? The devil's sitting on one shoulder saying, stay as you are. The devil's saying, that preacher's crazy. You don't need to listen to him. He don't know what he's talking about. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us. Friend, the devil wants you to walk out of this building wall while Jesus is extending his hand of mercy. While Miss Martha sings, Would you come?